today on Ovias and Gilio. The Carolina Hurricanes are on the brink, trying to stave off elimination against the Florida Panthers. Our old friend Sarah Sivian will drop on by to talk about Canes culture versus traditional culture in the NHL. Plus, LeBron James is contemplating retirement? Nah, I don't buy it. Uh, here we go again. We know y'all be listening. The OG back and better than it's ever been. Blast from the past, you know that our pace is fast. And if you wanna sub, we got something for you to smash. Five stars with them positive vibes. Don't miss a beat week to week, you just gotta subscribe. Even if your team's got you hella mad, don't worry, we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad. So settle in, y'all, this is gonna be fun. Cause when it comes to hot takes, two is better than one. From beer to the canes to the ACC, who knows more about this than us, the OG? Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovias. Here it is, Joe. Here's the Don't Duke do it again. Wine. Do not do it <laughs> what again. Mean? What do you mean? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We got plenty to get into today uh, from the Canes on the brink tonight. LeBron James contemplating retirement. Sarah Sivian's going to come on through. We got some housekeeping and whatnot. Here's what I realized. That essentially... The Canes have not. Won- oh, I'm gonna put this thing in a little too tight. I'm gonna have to like. <laughs> I realized that they have not won a conference finals game since this wine was produced, Joe. So I Correct. feel like yesterday, when we celebrated 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, that we might have uncorked. We might have cursed reversed here with the Duplin Wine 10. Uh, and shout out to LK who. Uh, reminded me it's not muscadine it's muscadine so i had to get that eastern part of north carolina right regardless i am very excited about opening up this 10 and drinking it during the show because this is what's going to turn it around um it's been done before joe it's been done before in the nhl canes down 0-3 to yes. the panthers we got 2010 with the flyers they did it to the boston bruins that's the very famous peter laviolette former carolina hurricanes coach one freaking goal and then you had Justin Williams, part of that King squad in 14, beat the Sharks. Uh, there's been two other teams, interestingly enough, Joe, in 2011 that came back from 03 situations to force a game seven in the West, but those teams came up short. So the bottom line is it can be done, but it has to obviously start tonight. Yeah, I actually expect the Canes to win tonight. Uh, the kind of resiliency that they've had has been their hallmark. And I just don't see them going out like a bunch of simps. I, I just don't see that happening tonight. And I realize how good Bobrovsky has been. I realize how close these games have been. I just I, – Rod Brindamore as a player and Rod Brindamore as a coach, his teams have had the best qualities of a cockroach. You cannot kill them. And just when you think you've gotten rid of them, they come crawling back. And you're like, how did they do that? Why do they keep getting the best of me? Why can't they just go away? So Mm -hmm. I fully expect the Canes to come out tonight. Let's see their fastball, right? We saw this out on the island in game six. The last time I expected to see it, my my Canes radar is actually really, really good. I'll just say that right now. Um, So I expect them. I expect to be there in the building on Friday night for game five. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I actually wanted to pull up. Uh, if I can actually go and find it, I had it somewhere, but now I have to go back and uh, and find the whole thing. But Rod Brindamore, I don't know if you saw the post game from Rod Brindamore, but he was kind of 
my fear, and we saw this, we saw this in the in the in the post game when the the Canes were coming off the ice, and you saw I think it was Jesperi Kokinyemi who was slamming. It went viral. He slammed yeah. his stick, and that just goes to show you the the point of frustration right now for the Carolina Hurricanes and what Bobrovsky is doing to them. And I'm with you in the sense that the Carolina Hurricanes tend to be uh, very resilient. Uh, as you said, they're kind of cockroach-like. But I do wonder at what point you break. We talked about this with John Forslund on, on Monday. The Canes have been the ones who have broken teams before, you know, especially when they've been down. Like there's, I, I brought up Montreal. I do wonder if yet again there's another Russian goalie that seems to be breaking the Canes. Now, they did get past Sorokin, as somebody pointed out to me, but it's not lost on me that the Canes have had the most amount of frustration against these Russian goalies who they can't get anything past. And here's Rod Brindamore following the game on uh, on Monday night. And he, I, I totally agree with what, he, what, what his sentiment was, that essentially they did everything right. They just couldn't get anything past them. That's the, been, well, it's been three games. I mean, we can't do much more. I mean, we like how we're playing, clearly. Um, it's just we got to find a way to put one in, and then you know, I mean, defensively, we're giving up nothing, you know, really. In, in three games, we you, you would have said to me, you get one of the highest, you know, the, the, the potent offenses you're playing, and you giving them 20 shots a night. I mean, you'd be pretty happy with. Um, it's just we're and we're creating offense, and I think we hit, I don't know, felt like we hit a couple posts tonight, maybe two or three, and we're. You know, it's there for us. It's just we gotta we gotta find a way to put it in. Didn't like the, I think we had one power play maybe tonight, one or two, one. Not, that's kind of strange in a game that we're dominating like that. But but we didn't do anything with it. You know that was bad. And then they had a couple power plays in, the, in a row there. We did a decent job. And then obviously that's the difference in the game right there. One I think it went off Slavo's stick too. Which that's just the way things are going with for us this series. It's kind of. You know, we got to find a way to just break through and give ourselves a chance maybe to get back in this. But, you know, it's tough, like you said, because we have you know, played really well. So there you go. There's Rod Burnamore on the fact that they've pretty much been doing everything they need to do right. Unfortunately, they just couldn't get anything past Bobrovsky. Yeah, and you know that Rod is a process guy. Yeah. Uh, it kind of goes it goes back to his time with Peter LaViolette. And Peter LaViolette was like a, this, this strange disciple of John Wooden which is you believe in the process and not the results. When you do the process right, the results will follow. And that's the frustration I hear in Rod's voice in that clip. We're playing the right way. We like the way that we're playing. You and I have talked many times before. Rod can win a game seven to nothing and Mm -hmm. be upset Mm -hmm. because it's not the result that bothers him that he's concerned with. It's the process. So when you are when you have that faith in the process, it is difficult in situations like this where you try to wrestle with, wait a second, we're doing what we want to do, but we're not getting the results that we want. And that's the challenge mentally for the Hurricanes right now. How do you stay on this path, right? Because now you're banging up into Einstein's theory of insanity. Right. Well, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. But right. you keep getting the same result. Well, right? the hope, so I guess, I guess that's where you kind of have to have the, the fortitude, which this yeah. team has always had. That That's a bedrock of this team. And I'm not trying to tell you here. Come. I'm not trying to Ben Crenshaw this thing. 
I'm not trying to Terry Francona this thing, Dave Roberts this thing. I'm just telling you, I would be floored tonight if we don't mm-hmm. see the Kane fastball. Floored. Here's here's my curiosity. You, you talk about the process and doing things right, and eventually things will get your way. Because there's been a lot of um, retconning of the Carolina Hurricanes and this season. And I think it started about the 14-minute mark of the third period in this last game when it was pretty clear that they weren't going to get anything past Bobrovsky. Yeah. And they had multiple opportunities to do so. There, I don't – the Canes and their process creates a lot of opportunities. But the one thing that everybody's been screaming about, and I don't necessarily disagree, has been do you have the one guy? Do you have the finisher? Coffee is for closers only, right? And I think that's a fair criticism of the Carolina Hurricanes. But at the same time, it's tough to reconcile this criticism of the Hurricanes when they're in the Eastern Conference Finals and they've had another successful season where they've won the division. And we can have big existential questions about, well, what's the difference between a good regular season team and a postseason team when you need that guy to step up? But here's my thing. What are you going to do when the guy who steps up is the goalie on the other team who's going on an all-time heater right now. And it's important to note, and I guess this is where the Carolina Hurricanes have to be hopeful and the resiliency pays off, just like it did in the regular season when everybody was hand-wringing about the lack of goal scoring and all of a sudden it came in bunches. There was a fear of lack of goal scoring and it absolutely busted open against the New Jersey Devils, right? So let's not look at the other side too. It's not like the Florida Panthers are scoring a bunch of goals either. These have been one-goal games, with five overtimes played between the three, all right? So I'm having a hard time banging on the Hurricanes when the Panthers have also found themselves not putting up big goals. Because let's go back to the Boston series. They won a game like, what, 7-5 at one point? They were putting up goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. It wasn't like Bobrovsky was shutting things down. I think he was basically letting in one or two goals a game. He's not letting anything in right now. And that's where we get back to Bobrovsky. Who started the Boston series, Joe? Who started the Boston series for the oh, Florida Panthers? Lion. Yeah, there are other right. goalies. So it's not like Bobrovsky has been this outstanding world beater throughout the season. They were still the eighth seed at oh. the end of the day. He was not this. So you hope, just like the Canes and their bunches, he'll also come back down to earth eventually. And I think it starts tonight. I don't see them getting swept. I just don't see them getting yeah. swept. And we've uncorked the bottle. So let's go. Let's get that reverse psychology thing going. I'm still drinking it, Joe. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we we opened the bottle yesterday. Shout out to Ethan Hyman. Shout out to the News and Observer. Uh, making us look good up at the Raleigh Times. But we drank it yesterday. And the smell <laughs> is awful. It's awful. It really now, has lost granted, all its alcohol. The, the, yeah, the taste itself, it really did taste like grape juice. Like, I don't think there's any alcohol content to that at all. Doubt it. Doubt it. But at this point. why are you going back to the well after we've well, completed just, the task? I just wanted to see if I let it breathe a little bit, if it uh, opened up some stuff, you know, maybe some tannins, you know, a little, a uh, little, little bit better, better finish, even though as I've understood, okay. uh, mu- muscadine, muscadine is not something that you age, apparently. It's something that you have to drink immediately. It's, it feels uh, it's like not, an IPA, a session IPA. Did I get that oh, right? Yeah, you did. Typically, IPAs you want them fresh. You don't want them sitting around for a while. Otherwise, look they at lose me. Their flavor profiles. They 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 do lose their flavor profiles. Housekeeping.
And you mentioned uh, the News and Observer and Ethan Hyman. We got some more stuff coming on down the line. Thanks to Ethan. Poor Ethan has no idea what he signed up for now that he's got to work with you and me. You and me. He's the used to shows. me. <laughs> I know. Now he's going to get used to me too, where I have my opinions on how things work. But one of the things that you and Ethan uh, worked on recently is for the relaunch of your NC State podcast. It is called Law of the Wolf. And yeah. the teaser's out now. Just look up Law of the Wolf and NC State podcast for your new dose of Wolfpack therapy, Joe. Yes, it will be therapeutic. It will be informative. It will be entertaining. And I'll have help again this year from Mike Lennon, Wolfpack great, football player, quarterback during the football season, and then Scott Wood, uh, the best three-point shooter in school history. We'll be back during the basketball season. Looking forward to we will have weekly episodes just like we did last year only this time under the new name of Law of the Wolf. Very excited about that. Very excited about that. Also excited about our partnership with Breaking Tea. Uh, shout out to Jamie and the crew over at Breaking Tea. We've got this T-shirt that we put together called Bad for Ratings. The, the Bad for Ratings discourse won't go away, Joe. So we might as well lean in and have a little fun at the expense of traditional hockey folks. Snub your nose. Just thumb your nose at them. Give them the finger. Get a bad for ratings t-shirt. You can get that at breakingtea.com slash get a hoodie too. Yeah, they got hoodies. They got, I don't know if they got tank tops yet. I thought about breaking out the whalers tank top today, but uh I did not uh I did not do that for today. No, it's no big deal. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there would be a cease and desist sent to me for wearing a whalers tank top on the show. Maybe YouTube, which by the way, do you know how much money we've made on YouTube monetization? So far, no, I do not. Since I turned it on, I turned it on this week. Now, how much money we've made? Two dollars. Seven dollars. No, seven dollars and eleven cents. Ooh, seven eleven. I like it. That seven, feels lucky. I think that's. I want to say that's a cookout tray that we can get. That feels lucky a, though. You wanna, I like you, it. You want to you want to split a? Uh, I, yeah, fine. Put some put some money on it. I don't know, but you want to uh, you want to split a cookout tray with that? Please. Maybe we can't. Maybe we can't. And we can work out the dynamics with Whitaker. And Hamer, attorneys and counselors of the law. You can check them out at wh.lawyer uh, for more information. Uh, Joe, it's basically, they're at, I know they got multiple offices, including uh, the G Town, but they're all over the triangle and they got various services for you. Yeah, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer have been together for 20 years. Start, if you're starting a business, selling a business, you need family law, divorce, custody cases, real estate closings, or you're buying a house, check them out, wh.lawyer. Also, we're going to get you together. Because they have a podcast, the Outlaw Lawyer Podcast, that they do yeah. with your old colleague, the Mojo, Morgan Patrick. Really? I they have hang out to with get the sports you guys thing? back together. Oh, man. Yes. I love it. I'll have to, yeah, we'll have yeah. to do a show with Morgan. That'll be fun. Yes. That'll be fun. So, yeah, check them out. Uh, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer. Uh, like you said, all of the Gs. Garner, Gastonia, Goldsboro, Clayton, Fuquay, Moorhead City. Again, mm -hmm. us getting down by the beach. Look at us. Uh, Whitaker and Hammer, it's wh.lawyer. Speaking, uh, speaking of the sports pig, if you want some pork product, you can go to the butcher's market. I once got a big old Boston butt because I was breaking out the cajachino, which is like the above ground way to make Cuban uh, mojo style pork. And you can get whatever cut you need. You want the bone in, you want to take the fat off. I'm like, no, I need the fat on. Butcher's market's great because you can tell them specifically what you need in that cut of meat and they will make it happen. That's why I'm a big fan of the butcher's market. Yeah, Butcher's Market, they actually make their own sausage and bacon. That's how you know it's legit. Uh, six locations, Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, Holly Springs, and again, Wilmington. It's the Butcher's Markets, 
com. Go get yourself uh, lunch there today because they have a great selection of sandwiches, uh, hot sandwiches, cold sandwiches. They use Boar's Head Deli products. So you can go you can go to the home base uh, up there off of Six Forks or mm-hmm. come back spot. to Holly Springs, which is which is where I'm essentially located. So next topic, please. So the NBA finals or the NBA playoffs are rolling on, Joe, and the Boston Celtics did the thing that you would expect the Boston Celtics to to do against the Miami Heat. We're in gentlemen's sweep territory uh, between the Heat and the Celtics. I do feel like after the Celtics had their entire manhood question, uh, when everybody pointed out that they quit in the middle of game three and that Joe Mazzula can't connect with the team. And I think Brian Windhorst had put it out. There's still some bad mojo and feelings about what happened with the Demi Udoka and everything else. They responded the way you would expect them to respond, uh, trying to stave off elimination. I don't think this is going to be the turnaround for the series. Boston is who we thought they were. They struggled throughout the playoffs. They struggled to put away the Philadelphia 76ers. The Miami Heat have fed off of that. They put the hammer down. But I I was not surprised that they responded in kind uh, to avoid getting swept. Yeah, it's such a weird team. They've been the betting favorite all year for very good reasons. They should have won the title last year. They didn't close it out uh, in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They have two of the best two-way players in the NBA who work well together. Then the parts around them are really complimentary. Marcus Smart, Al Horford. But the the Celtics, for whatever reason this year, this is a, this is a Joe vibe check. This is mm-hmm. a classic, obvious vibe check. Why didn't it work? Well... You fired your coach because he had an inappropriate relation, relationship caught yeah. on a ring cam uh, before the season started. I don't know how else to explain this other than, well, Eric Spolstra, also a really good coach yeah, see, who has his team believing in what they do. And I get that the easy thing to do is bag on Missoula. I get that. But I would say, how about we give Missoula just this much credit for being thrown into the ocean like Arthur's Urbe pup, Arthur's Urbe's puppy, and being sure. able to swim and get the team this far. But yeah. how about we just give Spolstra this much credit, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like the Heat, they are they are the classic example of the land of forgotten toys. They got the Martin Twins. They got somebody called Max Struess, who See? you would think would be playing for a Juventus right now. I don't know. That's it right who, there. Who these you, guys are. But You Spoh's just hit on it right there. Unbelievable job. You just hit on it right there. I think it was David Thorpe of True Hoop had uh, the headline of the newsletter that I got because uh, I subscribed to the True Hoop newsletter along with uh, Good Morning Basketball from Tom Ziller. All really, really good uh, newsletters that you can subscribe to. Maybe we'll have a newsletter one of these days. But they the, the headline of the newsletter yesterday was heat culture is FU culture, essentially. And there's a little bit you, you talk about vibe checks. I'm, I'm, I'm very the, the thing that supersedes vibe checks. And how things are going or are you petty enough to drive you to success? Do you have that dog in you, as people like to say? And Eric Spolstra has it because he's never really discussed as one of the great coaches, despite the fact that he consistently shows you that he, he, can, he can adjust, he can get through to players, he can get the most out of them. Jimmy Butler, I think, is fueled by this because I said this earlier in the week. Let's not forget that the Miami Heat were one Jimmy Butler three away from beating the Celtics last year. And they would have been back in the finals. So I think that's kind of driven them. And the Heat have done, you talk about bracket luck. Sometimes you got to do the, 
if the team is going to make the mistakes, you have to take advantage of them. If you're not going to adjust, then we're going to take advantage of it. And that's exactly what the Heat have done throughout the entire playoffs. Your miscues are going to be the things that fuel us, and we're going to go forward from there. Speaking of going forward, LeBron James has the NBA world talking because it sounds like he wants to retire, or at least he's contemplating retirement. Now, the reason why this seems to be hitting a little bit different, Joe, is because unlike other instances of him being knocked out of the playoffs and he's thinking about, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, it's always been related to where's he going to go? Would he opt out? Who does he want to bring in? Those types of things. This is the vibe that that everybody is feeding off of is that he doesn't know if he sounds like he wants to keep playing. Well, listen, let's see, let's see what I'm going for. I don't know. I don't know. And a lot of things, to be honest. And a lot of things, to be honest. Just for me personally, going, going forward with the game of basketball, I have a lot to think about. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. So there you go. There's LeBron James on what he's contemplating going forward, Joe. I don't think he's actually going to retire, but I can't envision a scenario where he takes next year off because he's talked too much about playing with Bronny starting in 2024 when he's draft eligible. He's talked about that too much and being too important to him for him to just walk away from playing basketball because he got bounced by the Denver Nuggets. I think it's really hard for LeBron James. He competes at a different level than any athlete we've ever seen before in this sense. And he has said this. He said this like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. He doesn't compete against everyone else. He competes against Jordan and Jordan's legacy. And he takes that very personally. Uh, no, no pun intended there. <laughs> and when, you, when he loses, when his team is eliminated, it really is this crushing sense of failure to him, even though most people would look at it and go, you you just had a team that really kind of came together, played unbelievable basketball for two months. You, you did well, A, to make the tournament itself, mm. and then let alone knock out uh, Golden State, knock out Memphis, and you, you lost to a better team. It happens. Uh, but I think it's just such a crushing feeling for him. Also, now you factor in that he's 38 years old, and you realize – as we said at the beginning of these playoffs, anybody can win when you look at it. And, and that's playing out right now that Denver and Miami are going to be in the final, right? Like, that's kind of yeah. amazing. And I, uh, Lavelle Moten had put something on, it was either Facebook or Twitter, about Bill Russell. You know, one of the criticisms of Bill Russell is that there were only eight teams in the NBA when he was winning his titles which you can take both ways, right? Like, oh, there were only eight teams. Well, yeah, but the other seven teams were also pretty good. The, those rosters right. were fairly stacked if you think about it. <laughs> and someone, one of the comments to it was, well, the, oh, there are only eight teams in the or four or five teams in the NBA now who can win anyway. And I thought to myself, sure, you could have that attitude in most other years, but not this year. And I think when you're LeBron and you are so hyper-focused on the one ultimate goal, and, and that real truly is winning titles and being compared to Michael Jordan and, and putting yourself in the in the conversation to be the greatest of all time. You have a season like this. You have a bracket like this that you look at and you go, we could win this thing. We can win yeah. this thing. And you have those sugar plum fairies dancing in your head when you get to that round. But no matter what coach you talk to, Joe, no matter what player you ever talk to, 
they will always tell you the same thing. The game before the game, the round before the round is the most difficult to win. And in this case, you saw it with the Lakers. They poured it out in two of those games they felt like they had. And when you don't get them, that's a broken team. They Mm -hmm. were a broken team in the sense that they tried. So not unlike the Canes losing the game, losing the way that they did in three of those four games. So uh, I I do not expect LeBron to retire, but remember Jordan retired twice. So maybe this is one way he could compete with them. He would do I'm not right. Right. I was getting, you just said, uh, I am not ready. Man, I am not ready for the discourse for LeBron James retiring only to come back in the same way that Michael Jordan came back twice. He's already done space jam, the sequel and we've yep. already had Skip Bayless be like, this is why you're never going to catch Jordan because his space jam was better than your space jam and everything else. But to your point, yeah, LeBron James, his his legacy is already etched in NBA history, right? I mean, he's the NBA's all-time leading scorer. He's played in 12 conference finals, for heaven's sake. He's been to the finals 10 times, all right? There was a streak. What was it, eight in a row? where he went to the finals eight in a yep. row, you know, in, and I know stat muse had put this out where everybody talks about Jordan and his championships, you know, who's been swept out of the first round twice and who hasn't Jordan, Jordan got swept out of the first round twice. LeBron that never happened with LeBron James. So there's a consistency there, but there's also uh, the financials of it and how competitive can the Lakers be over the next couple of years with what they've got tied up? How do they remake that roster? Right now, LeBron James, where I had the uh, I had the numbers up here, and this is something to consider going forward. So he's got a contract extension that's going to pay him forty six point nine million dollars next season, and has a fifty point seven million dollar player option for twenty twenty four twenty five, meaning that he can uh, he can become an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty four, right? Which also what happens in twenty twenty four, Joe? What happens in twenty twenty four? Bronny's ready to go. So if you're the Hornets, if you're the Hornets, what do you do? You draft Bronny James. If you're the Golden State Warriors, what do you do? You draft Bronny James. You basically dare Jordan or you dare LeBron. Hey, you said you want to play with your son. Well, here he is. Let's make this happen. And LeBron James comes to your town. Can you not envision this? I can envision this. Are you ready for this? Uh, The ultimate petty. I like it. We're moving on. Shout out to new network for entrepreneurs in Wilmington. Uh, We talked to Jim. What was it last week about what they do? If you missed that conversation, you can check it out in our previous podcast. Uh, You can watch it on YouTube as well. But new again, network for entrepreneurs in Wilmington. You can check them out online at newilm.com. It's just it's it's connecting. It's networking. It's it's understanding that Wilmington, that area of North Carolina, is just as active as the triangle. When it comes to startups, great businesses, and just making sure that things are conducive to success. Yeah, New was named the number one startup ecosystem in the country for cities with fewer than 300,000 people. Uh, Again, you can find Jim Roberts on LinkedIn or Facebook. New, where the river of innovation meets an ocean of possibilities. Speaking of innovations, you know what's one of the most innovative things I've ever seen? A crowler. Have you seen the crowler machine? Breeze Through has a crowler machine outside PNC Arena at their location, uh, what is it, Trinity and, and Edwards Mill. 
So there's gonna be a, there's gonna be there's gonna be a game five. It's gonna be here Friday. And if you're gonna be tailgating, I know the weather might be a little iffy. Put some put some rain gear on. Get yourself a crowler, twelve pack or whatever you need at that breeze through across from PNC Arena. They got all sorts of other goodies too, Joe. Are you saying that with a C? Is it a can growler? Is that what you're saying? Crowler. Yeah, it's a can crowler. There's a growler, which is a big bottle. And then there's the crowler, which is the can growler. It's usually 32 ounces. 32 ounces of suds. The good stuff. The good stuff. I know Breeze Through has great beer. They have great drinks. They have great coffee. Because Mm -hmm. we got 8 o'clock starts. If you miss anything for your tailgates needs, go check them out. Breeze Through Markets. Locally owned neighborhood store. It's 1200 Edwards Mill right there across from the arena. Get your Gatorade, get your coffee, get your beer, get your ice, get on your way. All right, joining us now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, she is Sarah Sivian, Bleacher Report, Two Minute Men Podcast. We haven't talked to Siv in a while. Sarah, it's good to see you. We actually can see you through the magic <laughs> of StreamYard technology. It's great, isn't it? Well, now well, I can. On to bigger and better things, you guys. I love it. Nice yeah. to see you too. As we're drinking oh. the, I'm drinking the 10 wine. Oh no! Well, the look, Sarah. So bad. the Canes haven't won. The Canes haven't won an Eastern Conference Finals game in a long time. All right, so we have to. It hasn't happened since this bottle was made in '07. Good so, juju. You know what? We're gonna crack it open, and I'm giving myself a headache just drinking it right now. But it doesn't matter. I'm doing it for the team, Sarah. Let's go. You're dedicated to the cause, and we love you for that. Speaking of the cause, you wrote about this. Was it the previous? No, it was ahead of this series. The, the Carolina Hurricanes seem to create this cause from traditional media that, oh, this is terrible. Ah, oh, the ratings. I don't believe these people. I don't believe them. I think you wrote about this. If you like hockey, why wouldn't you want to watch this matchup? Why wouldn't you be taking in Florida and Carolina? Because while the scoring hasn't been off the charts, the games have been tense. It's been a hell of a lot of fun to watch, even if the Canes are down 0-3. Yeah, I mean, do you want the blowouts with New Jersey and Carolina again? No, I'll take this type of hockey any day, even if you got Kokoniemi reacting like he did because these games are so close and so good to watch. I mean, I I do think they cause this fuss and then the fans get a little defensive and it creates this weird environment where people don't really want to root for the team because they're like, oh my God, these fans are so defensive. But it's because they're defending something that a lot of people don't truly understand. But aren't all Sarah fans Sim- defensive? All fans, like, all you got to do is go online and you will find extremely online people being terrible about their teams. It's not a new phenomenon for the Canes. Yes and no. I mean, as somebody from Boston and who's been around Bruins fans, I think Boston people will be the first to make fun of themselves, but they're also very intense and in your face and mean. Where Hurricanes fans are nice and they expect that niceness out of other people. Mm. And then when they don't get it, they're like, how, how is this not working? But I don't know. I, I take that niceness every time. Sarah Sivian joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. And Sarah, you know a lot about the Canes and what they've gone through in the last five years. I'm curious. I had an existential question for Joe before game three, and that is, are the Canes top players, Sebastian Ajo, Andre Svechnikov, let's throw Turbo in there too. Are they good enough? Are their top players good enough for the Canes to win the Stanley Cup? It's a yes and situation. Yes, they. I don't want to say no, they are not good enough. But yes and, they need one more sniper. They have always needed one more sniper. Patchy Reddy was going to be the guy. They, don't, they didn't really have an excuse. I will say they didn't have an excuse to do nothing at the deadline. But at the same time, the teams that did 
didn't really go far. But that's also in a vacuum because those teams didn't really need that sniper necessarily. And the Hurricanes have had this one clear need. And then 2.5, I'm going to say, of their best three or four players went down. And it's just kind of like, what do you expect from them? I think under those circumstances, it's great they even made it to the ECF and they're having these close games. And I also think it's just the way their team in front office works that they're not going to take these big risks, but they are going to be in contention for a while and tweak little things and hope that it pays off. It's like a that's a risk in itself, even it, like as other GMs might go for something at the deadline and that doesn't work out. The risk the Hurricanes take are, is not doing that. So, Do you know so how mad end. I am that we were denied uh, a Max Pacioretty final where Vegas gave away <laughs> one of their players for nothing playing against him in the finals. Like, I am so mad that we're not getting that. They would have got Vegas for once in their life, and it looks like that's not happening, and <laughs> they're Vegasing everybody else. So that does stink. <laughs> Sarah Sivian, Bleacher Report, joining us here. Uh, that's Gilio, um Ovias, and she's on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. So the... I agree with your yes and or there's a, it's a much more layered conversation because I I don't like the retconning of the trade deadline. I was one that was adamant about going out there and utilizing their $10 million in cap space. And in retrospect, if the goal is to find yourself here more consistently than not, if your goal is to win the division and put yourself in the best possible chance to get to the Stanley Cup, I don't see how their moves didn't pay off. We're talking about not having these guys, but they did make moves to secure one for the long term in Andrei Svechnikov. And then they made their off. That's where they make their moves in the offseason, as you mentioned with Max Pacioretty or Brent Burns, that has clearly paid off, but he's not available. Now, in a way, I do feel that Andrei Svechnikov and his injury tables the discussion as to whether or not he is capable of being that guy, right? We saw Nate just get these questions last year. He produced in the regular season, but he's been a little bit quiet this year. Sebastian Ajo started off hot, but he's been a little bit quiet in the series. We still don't know what Andrei Svechnikov is capable of, and I got to imagine that the Canes still truly believe he can be that guy, so they're not going to make any crazy moves because they feel like, well, if we just had him, then maybe that would be the difference maker. Yeah, absolutely, and it kind of stinks in that way that we play what it feels like there's always that one thing like last yeah. year it was freddie not being available this year it's Svechnikov not being available and they do have the depth to withstand and they are at the eastern conference final like there are only four teams left right so i will say that then luck plays in for sure and you're seeing luck on some of these bounces you're seeing bobrovsky what, what are you going to do sometimes there's so many things i don't know i've just seen so much discourse about this and people are getting mad that people are talking about the trade deadline or people are talking about the stars aren't being good enough because mm -hmm. you just look at Sergei Borovsky having this con Smythe caliber playoff run. And you ask yourself, is there anything they could do? But young, a team that wins the cup is going to have to face these good goalies and have the scoring talent to withstand that. And the hurricanes just don't have that right now. I do think Svechnikov would obviously help that, especially when it's been, two or three goals that could completely change the complexion of the series. And sometimes you, and I, I guess that's the maddening part about sports. You can't predict these things and hockey out of all the sports is one of the most fickle, right? Cause you go back to the start of the playoffs and the Florida Panthers versus the Boston Bruins. And I asked Joe this question earlier, who started that series in net for the Florida Panthers? <laughs> Alex Lyon. <laughs> right. 
I mean, not Bobrovsky. If, if Bobrovsky was this guy, you think Paul Maurice, if he knew that, was going to start start lying? No. He, I mean, he wasn't great. But there was a belief in uh, keeping with Bobrovsky, or at least that he's going to give us a better chance than Lyon. And obviously that's paid off with this all-time heater, which all this is to say is that just like the Carolina Hurricanes, scoring can come in bunches and you can go through a drought. A goalie can revert back to the mean pretty quick if you just keep peppering him with shots, right? hundred percent. And you've seen this in this playoff run with most teams that they, it's been kind of unique that they haven't had this elite, like the the Panthers are the only team that have had this elite goaltending through this playoff run. So I think that might be, while it's true that the hot goaltender can take you far as you're seeing with the Panthers, it's also true that there are other aspects now. So I will say I've never fully subscribe to you absolutely need an elite goaltender to win the playoffs. It doesn't hurt, but I think the hurricanes do really well with that. And they've kind of gotten on that train early where they need just an above average goaltender. And then this elite defense. Sarah, you follow the NHL a lot closer than Joe and I do. We follow the Canes, right? But you actually have an understanding of the league at the time when Florida trades Huberto for Kachuk, what was the response around the league. I think we know what it is now, but at the time, how was that move interpreted? I mean, it was, whoa, what the the heck is everybody doing? Like there's finally a big, like a big trade going on in the NHL. I think there was a lot of expectations that were not met by Huberto. I think they were just happy to get something for Kachuk if you're the Flames, but at the same time, that did not work out for them. And when you are the Panthers, a lot of more like GMs just need to keep it simple, right? Trade for one of the best players in the league and he's going to put up 100 plus points and give you this fantastic playoff run. I think going for something like this, you've got to give Bill Zito some credit. Sarah Sivian joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Carolina Hurricanes trying to stave off elimination tonight against the Florida Panthers. I think they're going to be able to pull that off. Oh, I want to close on this, Sarah. I want to go back to how we started this conversation, what you wrote about. Uh, in terms of uh, the Canes, this market, and because you you came into this area cold, right? Like, what did you know? What did you know about the Canes before you joined the Athletic and you were assigned to cover the Canes? Honestly, not that much. To be, I hadn't even been to Raleigh. My brother used to work for the Wolfpack for like mm-hmm. a few months, and I almost visited him. Decided not to, and then they were like, "You want to come cover this new and exciting team?" I think Tom Dundon called me, and he's like. Rod Brindamore is the guy. Mm-hmm. Trust me. And I'm like, okay, I liked watching him growing up. Maybe he'll bring something back here. The way he was so confident and the way, I mean, a former NHL GM who doesn't work in the league anymore that I know from a family friend called me and was like, just wait till this team makes the playoffs. It's the loudest house in the league. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Cool. I didn't expect them to do yeah. it that quickly. And just the way you could tell, even though I came in cold and all of these changes had already happened, you could tell just being around, it, it felt new and it felt like something exciting was on the verge. And Rod and Justin Williams kept talking about this idea of relevancy. I was like, they just seemed to really get it and look where we are now. So what did you, so what was the biggest takeaway when you were here then and when you left? I think the misunderstanding around the league of kind of who these fans and who these people in this system are because something that makes it so special is how much everybody has to care to keep things running. So these fans, maybe it's not as many fans in volume as a place like Boston or Montreal, but 
the fans that have been here since the, the drought are some of the most diehard fans you'll ever see in your life. And there's passion here and like a fun playfulness that kind of gives you hope about what sports should be. So there was a tweet from John Chase, who used to work for the Carolina Hurricanes. When all this stuff was going on, John's good people. And I'm not necessarily trying to pick on him. I'm just saying I'm using this tweet as a as a, as a springboard to my point. Because there's this, this conversation about traditional markets. You know, obviously, Boston would be considered a traditional hockey market, right, for whatever that's worth. But, you know, now that you cover the league in its entirety – how many of those quote unquote traditional markets actually exist? I mean, is Dallas a traditional market? Is Las Vegas a traditional market? It, it, it just, what exactly does that mean? Not everything's one of the original six. There's more of them than there are of that. And I find it kind of weird that we're obs- obsessed with this idea of, well, the Canes have been around for 25 years. You've got a generation and a half or two that has come up being a fan of this and there's a cup and everything else. So why can't it be considered traditional? My point would be, why do you want it to be traditional? It's not fun. It's such a funny juxtaposition of this sport that you don't really see in other sports to this degree with the gatekeeping. Mm. And I think it's a lot about hockey culture and a, the white old men's club where it's like, we uh, they don't want the league to grow. They say, grow the game. And then they just are like, no, I want my little six teams. I want people who actually get <laughs> hockey, whatever that means. It's just, it's just something so insane to see. And you see it with that Andrew Raycroft treat, who was the goalie of the Bruins and now works at um, right. Nesson covering the Bruins. He just said, something about the ratings are going to be horrible and the ratings are not horrible. They're some of the best ratings we've ever seen for the playoffs. So it's just like, first of all, and then they're talking about escrow and things and and the cap salary raising. It's embarrassing if the cap salary raising by like $1 million is hinging on if the Bruins and the Maple Leafs make the cup final or whatever, every single year, it's like, what? it's just not even true. Like some of the returns of like a ticket that, let's say a Toronto Maple Leafs ticket's going to be $800 and a Panthers one's going to be $400. You're still going to get more fans and who are going to buy more merch. Like there's new returning fan, not new returning fans. There's like new capacity for fans yeah. of the Panthers. So they're going to be returning and over time spending more money. And there's just going to be more people who are fans that make the league more popular. I don't know why this is so hard. Uh, yeah. I don't know why it's so hard to contemplate either. I mean, more, more 18,000 people a night at PNC arena is way more important for the health of the league than a half a share of ratings point on the national broadcast. In terms of ratings, you, you made an excellent point. The ratings are pretty good. Last time I checked the stadium series with everybody was like, eh, Oh, it's just, it's a college football stadium. This looks really, really, you know, it doesn't look like the other stadium. Who cares about Raleigh? It was one of the highest rated stadium series games out there. So clearly there's a market for this stuff. And you mentioned the gatekeeping. And I I can't think of somebody who would know more about gatekeeping than you, given that you're a woman covering hockey. And I would imagine that there are a lot of people who would point out to you, what are you talking about? So you wouldn't know anything about gatekeeping, right? (laughs) No, no, I wouldn't know the first thing. Not me hopping around the league. (laughs) Not getting... that you experienced any gatekeeping when you came here, Sarah. No. Uh, who is it? Why is she tweeting like this? What is going on here? Why do fans I... like her? Gee, I wonder why, guys. I get literally physically gatekept out of the arenas. They're like, who do you know here? I'm like, I work in this league. They're like, can you call the PR? I'm like calling Sonny like, hello. I'm once again locked out of the LA Kings arena. 
<laughs> physically, mentally, spiritually. Yes. Sarah, we appreciate it. Uh, good catching up with you. And we'll talk to you later. Of course. Thanks so much. That's Sarah Sivian here on the uh, Ovias and Gilio podcast experience. I still have to come up with a catchy name. Can we still call it OG? Can we yeah. still call it that? They're letters of the alphabet. Yeah, they are letters of the alphabet. It's like, I just want to keep like, yeah, joining us on the OG. I guess we can still call it that. I mean, we still have O and G on all the logos and everything else. We just made it look a little bit, a little bit different in the grand scheme of things. So no, big, uh, big fun talking to Sarah Sivian. Always enjoy our conversations with her. What's up next? What's up next? So the weather is kind of cool right now. I know the weather this weekend is going to be meh for Memorial Day. So it's going to take people out of grilling and all that other stuff. But that's not going to deter you for the rest of the summer. And don't let mosquitoes deter you from enjoying that as well, Joe. So hit up the Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. I use Mosquito Authority. They come out, I think it's monthly, where they come out, they they use the spray. It's completely safe, uh, and it keeps the mosquitoes at bay. I mean, I got some other things that help me out, too, but ultimately, it really does a good job. I, I don't want to know what it would be like if I didn't use it. Let's just put it that way, because I've I've actually, I can say that I have, because before I started using Mosquito Authority, you'd walk out in two seconds, you were swarmed with mosquitoes. So you don't want that. You don't want that this summer. Yeah, go to bugsbite.com. Check them out. Uh, they're here in the Triangle, Sand Hills area, uh, get your ants, termites, moisture under your house, you name it. I had uh, mice in my attic. Is well, When I tell you I've had the full experience with Mosquito yeah, Authority, no Pest Authority, I am telling you that I've had the full experience. I had moisture under my house. I had mice in my attic. Uh, they got rid of those as well. So, again, check them out at BugsBite.com. They're on Twitter as well, No Mosquito NC, or... Call them the old-fashioned way, 919-807-1951. It's 919-807-1951. Big thanks to our friends at the Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Later today, you and I are going to go to Oak City Sports Cards, where you can buy, sell, and, great, and trade. So what, what are you dragging me into? What are we doing at Oak City right, today? So uh, just so you know right now, these cards are going to be mine, not yours. Uh, uh, it's okay. Don't worry. Unless, unless – wait, here's my question. Do they grade – Video games? Like if I take in an old Mario, <laughs> will they grade hey. that for me? That's what I would be interested in. Listen, Weston is a guy who knows a guy. He, he is that guy. <laughs> okay. So you, you, I wouldn't put anything past Weston. That's number one. No, we're going to go buy a hobby box today of Bowman Inception U cards, which include the French Mamba, Victor Wembenyama, and also Caitlin Clark from Iowa. So when you buy a hobby box, you're guaranteed to get at least at one one autograph in the set. So we have our fingers crossed for the French Mamba, of course. But get your cards. You can buy cards, sell cards, get them graded. It's important to get your cards graded to get their true value. Weston can help you do that. It's oakcitycards.com. They're in downtown Raleigh. Can't wait to go see them later today. Let's uh, go ahead and get to some Hey Joe questions brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. Uh, I was actually over at Oakwood Pizza Box this past weekend. Just did a normal, uh, just a, a traditional pizza, not the square this time. Oh my! Meatball, meatball and mushroom. That's my go-to. Ooh. Although the one that uh, Anthony's cooked up with the, what, the pepperoni and the jalapeno and the honey? Yeah, the special jalapeno, pepperoni, honey actually is his fastball. You, If you tell him you know us, he'll probably put it on a square for you. Um, but he usually only does it on a circle. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's get to some of these. Hey, Joe questions. We got one from Bain. I'm off tomorrow watching the game tonight. Canes 
and Panthers. Should I go ahead and start with the very old Barton 86 proof and slowly <laughs> increase the proof throughout the game and end as the draw and, and as the end draws near or just go full blown Elijah Craig barrel strength 128 and black out the night. Look, if you're not working tomorrow, then I highly recommend you just go ahead and go 128 proof. That's where it's at. We have to work tomorrow. We have a show tomorrow. So I'm not going to go too hard in the paint on the bourbon tonight, especially as I continue to drink. I, I have a headache, dude, with the uh, What are you doing? I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> I legitimately have a headache. Now, and look, there- no, this is not a knock to Duplin, all right? This is not about Duplin. Uh, this, this wine is clearly not intended to be aged for 15 years. I'm just saying we did it for a bit. Uh, but I'm there are certain losses that are brown liquor losses. And I've Ooh. even made this point to coaches – after yeah. St. Louis, I said to Mark Godfrey, that was a brown liquor loss. Go get yourself <laughs> a brown liquor. After right. um, uh, 2021, uh, getting kicked out of the College World Series, I said to, I actually bought Elliot Avent some brown liquor. Went to the office, bought everybody over there some liquor. There are certain losses that are brown liquor losses. I actually thought game one uh, yeah. of this series was a brown liquor loss. So uh, you're a couple of games late. I actually think tonight you're not going to need the brown liquor. So nah, I'd nah. save those for special occasions. Boston College football this year was a brown liquor loss. Today, nah, you're, you're good, man. Boston College football. God, that gross. <laughs> yeah, no, now, yeah, you're, you're – You you're see the standard it. now? You see where, you see where we're I see, getting? No, I, that's, you know, honestly, that's all you had to say. I'm like, oh, yeah, that would definitely be one that you want to have some brown liquor for. Uh, from Ryan, hey, Joe, do the Canes need to muck it up more in this series? Power play surprisingly looked not abysmal. Power uh, – the, the, the penalty kill has been excellent. It has. Not typically Rod Brindamore's style, but we need to do something to get in Bob's head. I mean, honestly, I thought after – Game three, they tried to get into his head by just doing more, uh, creating more. Bob's just on one right now, man, and I'm not sure what you can do. I, the can- You're right. It's The Canes' physicality is present. They're just not the type of team that's doing what Florida does or what the Devils wanted to do or what the Islanders were doing, all that extra stuff. I will be curious if the Canes will try to push that with officiating because I think most of us understood – that in Monday night's loss, while officiating was not the reason why they lost, the reason why they lost is because they couldn't get anything past Bob. They hit the post a bunch of times. There were some curious calls that put the Panthers on the penalty, on, on the power play. Canes were only able to do that once. Yeah, I don't think they need to change who they are. Again, this gets back to Rod's comments about liking the way that they're playing. The only thing they need to change is just a little bit of puck luck that they need. Yeah. And it's hard to change that because it's like you can't control it. It's like saying you're going to control the weather on your wedding day. You, you, you have no control over that. Let's go to Kinchin. We haven't heard from Kinchin in a while. Is Miami the new Boston when it comes to being a sports town? Yeah, you've got two eight seeds with the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers that are on the verge of getting to their respective finals. Uh, I think it was Dan Wetzel. You had sent the, you had sent this to me, Joe, from Dan Wetzel, who I love over at Yahoo Sports. And growing up in South Florida, it is a football town, straight up. Um, shout out to Pat, our old colleague, who had tweeted out that uh, he was overhearing a fan conversation in Sunrise ahead of this playoff game, and they were talking about the Dolphins' offseason. Again, it's all Dolphins all the time, having li- listened to copious amounts of sports talk. The Dolphins are the thing that drive most of the conversation in South Florida. 
the Miami Heat are something fun to do. It's the party. It's the bandwagon. And the Florida Panthers occupy a really, really weird space. And it's interesting that the two teams that are essentially part-time things for Miami sports fans or Florida sports fans are the ones that have been excellent. I was going to say, I'm going to defer to you on whether we consider the Florida Panthers to be a Miami-based team. This this feels like the New Jersey Devils to me. The New Jersey Devils play right across the river in the Meadowlands in East Rutherford. But no one in New York is like, oh, yeah. Those are our devils. Now, no. uh, those same people talk out of the other side of their mouth when it comes to the Giants and Jets because, well, they play across the river. So I can Fair see point. the argument both ways here. I do think of, and you'll you'll have to help me here. I feel like Fort Lauderdale is not Miami. Like it's its no. own thing, right? No, it's its own thing. Look, I I grew up, as most people know, who have been listening to the radio in some shape or form for uh, the past 20 years, you understand that um, I grew up in Boca Raton. Uh, and moved here in 1995 between my sophomore year and junior year. My dad is a huge Miami fan of all. He's just a huge sports fan in general. But he's he Dolphins. Nice he's Hurricanes. Yeah, he's Dolphins. He's Hurricanes. I remember when you know, it's been 35 years since the inaugural season for the Miami Heat. I remember my dad taking me to those games in Overtown at the old Miami Arena so I could go see Shaq. I could go see Jordan. The Miami Heat were just kind of a thing that, I mean, people kind of paid attention to it, but it really was just something fun to do. And then the bandwagon comes out when they're actually good. Um, when they had their four years of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, you couldn't find a hotter sports town because it was the, it was to be seen. The Heat are the party to be seen. It's not a life you live. You live a Dolphins fan life in South Florida. You don't live the Heat. The Heat are just party time. You want to be seen. The celebrity is going to be there. You go to Prime 112 after. I mean, I'm sure there's new restaurants and clubs that people go to. My cousin used to work at Prime 112. Now he's over at the Fountain Blue. That's where a lot of NBA guys go after the fact where you see some partying and whatnot. Club live, live. live, baby. Club live, (laughs) baby. Get that tenant rate, baby. So the the Panthers, man, I don't know, man. Like for I lived, Booker Tone was about a 45-minute drive from Miami. All right. It would be the equivalent now of us going from Raleigh to Durham. Okay. Like, you know, it takes you anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes, depending on traffic, to get from one place to the other down 95. What's weird about the triangle is that while you're at Raleigh and Durham have their own distinct scenes, it's not crazy for you to think, oh, I'm going to go to Durham tonight or I'm going to go to Chapel Hill tonight. There's this restaurant I want to check out. Fine. Let's just make a night of it and go. You don't do that in South Florida. You don't leave your bubble in South Florida because the traffic sucks, you know, like shout out to Shannon Penn, our former producer who now works at ESPN radio and is, uh, is flourishing. Like he lives in Miramar. And I joked, you know, when they first put him up in Miami, I'm like, Oh, don't get spoiled. You're going to get spoiled living in Miami because everything's around you. And he finds a place to live out in Miramar. I remember texting him. I'm like, dude, hope you enjoy traffic for about 90 minutes, even though technically it should be a, like a 30 minute drive down the highway. And it's brutal. So there's no, yeah, there's no reason to leave your bubble. If you live in Boca, you're sticking around Boca. You're not going to Miami all willy-nilly. My family, I don't know how your family is. Kelly's family is a lot like this. We were the family that would go visit. They never visited us. Like if my cousins came to Boca, it was a special freaking occasion. But me going down to Miami, going to Coral Gables, it was no big deal. So I don't know if that, if, if it's like the same thing with the Gilio clan where nobody comes down from Jersey to see you, but everybody goes back up to Jersey to go visit family. 
uh, we had Thanksgiving every year, but all of our, okay, yeah. that was my mom's side of the family. They all lived about an hour from us, 45 minutes, an hour from us. So that was yeah. the thing. And I mean, look, I learned this in New York too. You go up to New York, you're like, I'm not going across the river. Like who would do no. that? Nobody no. does that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, to your point, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, not the same damn thing. All right, let's go to Nick Hopscotch. Will not be selling single-day passes this year. How do you feel about this? Was really conflicted about Notre Dame, NC State, or Japanese breakfast. But I think they made the decision for me. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to go to the NC State uh, Notre Dame game. Are you familiar with Hopscotch, Joe? I am. Uh, remember, I worked downtown for a long time. So, <laughs> and we'll be we will be back we'll be downtown, working downtown soon. About soon. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully here soon. Yeah, look, man. I mean, these festivals are not cheap to run. I mean, I know the guys who started up Hopscotch, uh, and I know the guys who help book Scott Hopscotch now. Good, good dudes. These these events are not easy to run. They're not cheap. So my guess is they're trying to recoup costs best they can, and that's where. Because I used to take advantage of the single day. Like if there was a plaza show that I was really interested in seeing, like I went to go see Spoon and St. Vincent not that long, you know, years ago. And that was just a single day ticket for me. I think when the Roots played, I did the same thing too. Uh, so mm. it does suck because there is a plaza show that I don't I have to pull it up because I don't have it in front of me. But there is a plaza show that I would absolutely go see. I think Always is playing that night. Um, but yeah, if I have to buy the whole thing, I don't know. A little dicey on that one. So they're not going to do the tried and true trick of trying to sell as many whole package deals as possible. And then like the week before, maybe do individual day tickets. Yeah, maybe, maybe at the end, maybe they'll unveil like some thing people do. Yeah, that might just be a tier that they end up breaking out um, later on down the line. We'll see. Uh, this is from Scott. Look who's lurking over Jillio's shoulder <laughs> in our video where we're drinking <laughs> the wine. Yeah, look at that. It's red. Look at Rand. We needed Rand to block the uh, lighting coming in from the top of the Raleigh Times uh, top bar. We did. <laughs> on our way out today, hit me with our theme song, will you? Oh yeah, no, we'll 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 do the theme song. Do I have it loaded up? I do have it loaded up, so we should uh, we should be able to go with that. All right, next up on Hey Joe, we've got David. Hello, Joe. Where's the best Cuban sandwich in Raleigh Durham? Well, David, you can't find a Cuban sandwich at the airport. It doesn't exist. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, a lot of folks, I get I get this question a lot. Like, where do you find a good Cuban sandwich? I haven't really found one <laughs> around this here. This is about the bread, right? It's about the bread. It's about the the marinated pork, the pulled pork that goes along with okay. it. Um, I feel like most sandwiches around here are Cuban-inspired sandwiches, not truly Cuban sandwiches. And the, yes, the bread does matter. I know Carmen's over by the airport. has been doing it for a really, really long time. Uh, I think what Copa out in Durham has a Cuban sandwich. That I've heard is pretty good. I don't think I've had it yet. Uh, I think it was I think it was called something else the last time I was there. But I my my knowledge of new restaurants and how things have changed over has kind of diminished in my old age, and I'm not getting out as much as I used to. But now, do your parents make a good Cuban sandwich, or is it strictly just about the bread? It's they. My parents don't make a Cuban sandwich. My parents okay. will go to Miami to go visit family, and they'll bring back uh, a prepared Cuban sandwich that all I have to do is throw on uh, on the grill to to planch it, you know, you know, get the butter on top, grill it up, yeah. get a nice, nice little crust. You, you got to get the Swiss, you get the Swiss cheese, like nice and crusty too. That also helps low key. I'm gonna give you a pro tip. If you want to make a Cuban sandwich at home, 
low key, go to Jimmy John's and get the day old French bread. All right. Like they usually have the French bread available for you for like 50 cents if you just want to buy the bread. Buy that and then use it that day. But you got to butter it up and all that stuff. Same thing. And it actually is a pretty good approximation of a Cuban, Cuban style bread. It's not the same bread. We got Publix now, and you can get real right. Cuban bread at Publix. But if you don't want to, if you don't have a Publix near you, but you got a Jimmy John's near you, ask for the day old bread and you might actually get something pretty good. Speaking of Cuban stuff, Tom, I can finally eat chips. You want to try these, Joe? <laughs> Cuban sandwich flavored yeah. with natural flavors, uh, Cuban yeah. sandwich chips? <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> what we, go. Speaking of trying things, what are we doing for 4,000 subscribers? Uh, Luke DeCock, News and Observer columnist, has a bottle of Brass Monkey, that funky monkey. Oh, an actual, An actual bottle of Brass Monkey, not the malt liquor version but like the one that actually has the juice and the alcohol in it. Oh, no. Over ice. When we get to 4,000, you ready for that? Have you ever been hung over just thinking about drinking something? Before? I'm actually getting – I feel like I'm hung over just drinking this wine right now. All right, last day, Joe, question from Cole. Save this for tomorrow, sir. Why the hell – well, today. Why the hell is NC State going to start Brennan Armstrong and Jordan Houston? That's six wins at best. You start MJ Morris and Michael Allen, and that's eight to nine wins. This shit is stupid, and I know what's going to happen. Don't be surprised. All right, Joe. What this? We've had two. We have two competing football discourses right now. We've got okay. what's what's NC State going to do with their quarterback situation? Brennan Armstrong, MJ Morris, and then I just tweeted this out recently because we're a hundred days from the start of the college football season, and Drake May was on the graphic that ESPN had put out. And I had simply said, yes, I am really looking forward to another preseason of measured and nuanced discussion about Tar Heel football and hype. Really looking forward to that. So to me, this the North Carolina part of this is really easy to understand. They got Drake May. (laughs) All right. This is this is a guy that the NFL draft gurus are going to salivate over all season long. All right. So, of course, they're going to be in the mix for preseason hype because they've got a quarterback you want to watch. NC State, I think we kind of, we referenced this at the end of last year. We referenced this with the uh, with Brennan Armstrong coming to NC State. This is a reset year for the Wolfpack. I don't think anybody is thinking otherwise, right? Am I missing something here? I think most people understand that last year was the year built for a breakthrough. They came up short, but still had a successful year, you know, relatively speaking. But this year was going to be a reset because all those guys weren't coming back right down to Devin Leary. Am I missing something here? Yeah, I, I get the question, me, meaning do you just go to the young guys and then in hope in 2026 that group is in position like last year's to have this, you know, maybe they win the conference. There you go. Yeah. I get that premise. I don't think college sports is that way anymore, though. And part of me laments that. And part of me says if I'm Dave Doran, I go and get a 60-year quarterback who knows the the system. I, I stay with Jordan Houston, a 60-year play. Now, of course, all running backs are going to play. We know this at this point, right? Like, yes. Yeah, somebody's yeah. getting hurt. They're all playing. Uh, I know they just lost uh, Demi Sumo. But, again, playing time is always going to be the number one reason people leave, in my opinion, mm-hmm. always. Um, so I, I think State is in a position, yeah, where their, their win total this year is set at six and a half. 
You guess what? Over on that? Yeah, I'm gonna take in a down right year. In a down year, six and six would be Dave Doran's best worst year. So, mm-hmm. I, look, I, I think they did what they needed to do for them to be at that six seven win level for this year. That's what I think they needed to do. I think that's their thought process. I get the old thought process of okay, let's go to the young guys, let's start building. The thing yeah. about that now is there's no guarantee if you go MJ and Allen this year that they're yes. going to be here next year because if they no, fall I'm- out. Guess what? Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, all of the NIL schools are going to come and get them. So I'm glad you brought hard. that up. It's just really hard. I will say this about Carolina because I've told you before, the number one thing I look at as a, as a top 25 voter in the preseason top 25, who's your quarterback? What's your schedule? Now, I think Carolina has those two things going for them. The third thing I look at is offensive line. Not That's if you ask Mac Brown, the end of the season, the Mac Brown's not happy with that end of the season schedule, Joe. With Clemson, no, he Duke, isn't. and State. So. I do like this, though, for Carolina, not yeah. just Drake May. The, the, they went into the portal and got two receivers who I think are going to help them and be difference yeah. makers and be hammers for them. I think that was really smart because NC State didn't do that last year with Devin Leary. And I think Carolina put themselves in the best position to have success by going into the portal and adding the receivers that they did. I'm glad you brought up how college football is today. And we'll close. Hey, Joe on this point, because that was Dave Dorn's entire MO. And the reason why I argued for state fans to chill on Dave Dorn, because the pattern was there. You didn't want to go through another coach five years, not build towards something. It comes in cycles. And Dave Dorn's had a couple cracks at it with the cycles. He's come up short. They haven't won the division. That's a fair criticism to say that in these cycles with the talent, what you've had that you haven't been able to push through. I think it's completely valid, but they've had really good, consistent seasons. You know when the windows are there for them. And I think 98% of college football programs have forgotten that eight, nine wins, sometimes 10. That's pretty good for 98% of college football out there. But because of the transfer portal, you don't have those opportunities to build over a three-year period of time. Last year was a really unique season for the Wolfpack and Dave Doran, and it's the last time you're ever going to get that for Dave Doran and NC State. Everything has been compacted. Now, they clearly understand that because you look at their offensive coordinator move, you look at who they got in the transfer portal of Brennan Armstrong, and they're trying to make the most out of what they can this season. But yes, on the flip side of that, it does make you wonder if you've got some talent in MJ Morris, why not develop that? But there's also the possibility he can still redshirt, right? Because they have, you know, he's yeah. he doesn't have that COVID year. He's actually part of that new class that is back to normalcy. And I that's maybe to something to consider. Yeah. Yep. Maybe that's something to consider. All right. We'll close on this. We got a follow up on Roy Williams and that polo that we saw last week. And shout out to Joe Pinnix, who tagged Darius Rucker, Hootie and the Blowfish. And got to the bottom of it apparently it is bulls bay now i don't know what any of this means joe apparently rucker does something at bulls bay that's like a big party like a big fiesta and people really enjoy it and i'm guessing roy williams had a really good time there too and that's why he's rocking that polo uh actually i think roy's got friends in charleston and you know if you're friends with roy you probably have a decent golf club membership somewhere but i I don't know if there's much more than that i do remember uh, when he retired, you know, he had called me and he was driving to Charleston. So this does track 
the traps. Uh, or one of the times we were on the air and he called. He was driving to Charleston. Like, oh, those are my favorite. Those are always yeah. my favorite. We're in the middle of the show. Him or Kevin Keats giving you a call while we're in the middle of the show. Like, they know what we do, right? right? They know what uh, we do. Yeah, maybe not. Know. All right. Let's go wrap, for, wrap it up for this edition. Let's go Canes. I got the 10. I'm going to save it for the rest of the night. I'm going to put it back on ice. And when the Canes win tonight, I will toast. You watch, Joe. You watch. This is going to be the juice. This is the juice that's flowing that's going to get the Canes to force a game seven. And from there, you never know what's going to happen. We'll see you all tomorrow. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.